0: Welcome to the Happy Homebirth Podcast, your source for positive, natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things homebirth and motherhood. When you're unable to have a homebirth in your area, what happens? Are you totally out of luck, or are there other ways to get creative? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 170 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with my friend Shanice Piercy, a stay-at-home mother to eight children and minister's wife in Northwest New Jersey. Shanice enjoys cooking, sewing, and spending time with her precious kids, and I can tell you right now that you are going to gain so much from this interview as we unpack her journey to a home birth across the country from her own home. Get ready for a beautiful, uplifting story. Now, I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that there are some parts in this interview that the audio quality really goes down, but gosh, there is so much incredible insight and wisdom in this episode that I know you will probably barely even notice it. Now, before we jump in, I also want to give a huge thank you to this week's reviewer of the week, and that is Katie Beloved, who wrote, a great resource, really thankful for this podcast and for all the encouraging stories and helpful information. Katie Beloved, thank you so much for this encouraging review. Would you email me at caitlin at com? I'd love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And if you realize that you've got 30-ish seconds free right now, would you consider using those seconds over at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this show? If you could leave a five-star rating and a couple of words for a review, it would mean the world to me. This podcast has reached so many mothers through recommendation inside of podcasting apps simply because you have taken the time to leave a kind review. Thank you to all who have taken that time. And Before we jump into this uplifting conversation, I would be remiss if I didn't share a tool that I've created for you so that you can enter your home birth with complete and total peace, whether you're doing it in your own home or traveling across the country. I've created Happy Home Birth Academy for you, and I want you to join me inside. I want you to take a moment right here with me to visualize yourself moments after giving birth. Close your eyes if you're not operating heavy machinery and see your baby on your chest. Your spouse beside you, his eyes in total wonder of the work that you've just done. Your heart overflowing with love and the feeling of otherworldly empowerment and accomplishment. The transition into motherhood for the first or 15th time complete and you feeling like all is the way that it should be this this is what i want for you and this is why i've created happy home Birth academy my goal is to walk you through the preparation of everything from your mind and your mindset to your techniques to your partner all for this all for this transformation that you are gearing up to experience i want you to soak every drop of joy from it no matter how it plays out if you're ready to walk into labor feeling confident excited, and at ease. Join me today inside of HHA. Head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA or click the link in the show notes to sign up now. All right, let's jump into this beautiful story with Shanice. Shanice, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. Thank you.
0: I am so excited to have you, and it's, it's funny, before we started the interview, I was actually telling Shanice that I have known of her for many years, since my daughter was born. We've been in the same wool Merino wool group <laughs> for those five years, so getting to actually spend time talking to you today is really exciting for me. I feel like I already know you. So the listeners don't, though. Would you take a moment to introduce yourself and your family?
1: Sure. And I just want to add, Caitlin, the feelings mutual because uh, in 2020, when we made the decision to have a home birth and you invited me to listen into the Happy Home Birth podcast and I was listening. um, I just I don't know. I just thought I wonder if my birth story will be something that would be worth sharing on a podcast like this one day. So thank you so much again for the opportunity. Um, My name is Shanice Piercy. I am married to my husband, Kevin. We've been married for almost 15 years, and my husband is a youth pastor at Manhattan Bible Church. So yes, that means we live in the greater Manhattan area. We're actually in North Jersey, Um, and together we have eight rambunctious children that keep us very busy. So um, I, I love just being with my family, sewing, cooking, so not super exciting. It's just me. Oh, that sounds
0: very exciting and rewarding. So that's amazing. Um, That's so great. So eight children. Let's go back eight children and talk about what was your first pregnancy experience like?
1: Um, So the first pregnancy was actually um, exciting because we found out at eight weeks that we were having twins. And it never really occurred to me to do anything other than a hospital birth. So uh, I found an OB that came highly recommended. Um, And we had really a very, for lack of a better word, boring pregnancy. Um, The babies did well growing. And I went until I was about 39 and a half weeks. How did that birth pan out? So around 39 and a half weeks, um, I went, I I started uh, early labor. And looking back, I should have, I should have known, oh, this is just early labor, you know, go to the mall and walk or try to get some rest. But being a first time mom, I thought, oh my goodness, my contractions have started. So we packed everything and it was a Saturday night. We went to the hospital and my OB actually turned out to be the OB, in the rotation at the hospital. So he was there and um, he checked me and he said, well, you're a three. So let's just, you know, admit you and see how you progress. Um, And after all that happened and I laid in the hospital bed, my labor stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, So the next day he came to me and he's like, you know, you're almost 40 weeks with twins. And I really just don't feel comfortable sending you home. I think we should keep you and induce you. And at first, I I really didn't like the idea. I'm not even sure why, because I really didn't know much about childbirth or anything back then being my first time. Um, But so instead of letting him induce me right away, that Sunday, my husband and I walked the hospital grounds trying to get labor started. And every once in a while, the nurses would want me to come back to the room and check me. And the farthest I got was like a five. But my contractions never, they never stayed consistent. They would just kind of tape off. He decided the following morning that we should induce. He's like, I really just don't feel comfortable letting you go home. And so, you know, I went ahead with it. I let them induce me the following morning. Um, That was a Monday, a Monday morning. And I remember the nurse on duty, she kept coming in and she kept turning the Pitocin higher and higher because my body wasn't responding to it. I guess for some reason, my body just wasn't ready to go into labor and deliver them. So she kept turning it higher and higher and my body wasn't responding to it. And then at one point, a little bit later in the day, she comes rushing in the room and she says, oh my goodness, this Pitocin is too high. Uh, And then she looked at me and she said, you know, you really should get an epidural because... If we have to have a c-section at least the line will already be in for us to access it and you know it'll be easier for you and so again i just thought you know i just thought they had my best interest in mind i really just went along with whatever they said and so i got the epidural um and you know i don't know if i'm guessing all epidurals are not created equally because this epidural that they gave me it Completely numbed me from my waist down. I mean, completely. So I had no control over my legs. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't feel anything. And um, she came in the room a few hours later, and she said, "Okay, you're nine centimeters. It's time to push. We're going to move to the operating room." Um, and uh, apparently, when you're delivering twins in the hospital, they like to deliver you in the operating room just in case there is an emergency. And I just remember trying my hardest and laying on my back and I'm trying my hardest to push, but I can't feel a thing, not a single thing. And just asking my husband, can you please hold up my legs? Cause I, I can't hold them up. I'm afraid if you let go, they're just gonna fall. I pushed for several hours. Um, and finally she called my OB and he came in and he's like, your hips are too small. To deliver this baby, uh, the baby is not even dropped down in there, and your hips are too small. You're gonna have to have an emergency cesarean. And, and uh, let's think about that. Yeah. Your hips I, are small. Yeah. Your baby's not even in your hips, but your hips are too small. <laughs> like what? It's crazy because, you know, he was five pounds, two ounces, five pounds, eight ounces, and I've since delivered an eight pound baby just fine, you know. But again, I'm a first time mom. I've never done this before. And I just really thought because he was a great OB, you know, he obviously was the only one I'd had at that point, but he really, he was great. He treated me well. I just thought he was, you know, wasn't going to tell me anything that wasn't true. He -hmm. was just going to do what was best for me. And I remember laying there on the table and just crying because it wasn't what I had pictured. It wasn't the way I wanted my birth to be. But, you know, we went ahead with it. Um, And, you know, when they gave, they had to give me another spinal on top of the epidural that I had. And I was laying way back on the bed when they gave it to me. And so it numbed me from the waist up instead of the waist down. And I started to go, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Somebody help me. I can't breathe, you know, and I'm panicking because. You know, I could breathe, but I couldn't feel it. So to me, it felt like I couldn't breathe. And then they, they started the surgery and I was just like, I, I think I can feel I can feel what you're doing. I can feel what you're doing. And so I, you know, looking back is the only C-section I've ever had. I don't know if what I experienced was normal or not, but because I was panicking, I think they knocked me out. My last image was they brought the one baby over, put her over me, and then they took her somewhere, and then I was out. Um, and then about eight hours later, I woke up, my mom said she was just so terrified. And even during that whole experience with the C-section, my husband was, he said he was crying and he's trying to figure out what is going on. It was just a very uh, traumatic experience for all of us.
0: Oh gosh, it sounds, it sounds so traumatic. And to be knocked out for eight hours and then to come to,
1: I imagine I think you know because they given me the epidural, then they gave me the spinal, then they knocked me out, and honestly, those drugs took a good couple of weeks to even leave my system yeah. um so I look back and I see pictures they didn't let anyone hold my babies, but I see pictures of my mom and and my mother in law was there too, and them looking at my newborn babies but I wasn't there. You know, I, I didn't get to experience any of that. And by the time I'd woken up, my one son had breathing problems, was taken to NICU, and the, my daughter was in um, just the infant nursery. So after that whole experience, I sat and tried to process process it all. And I thought to myself, this is not happening again. I do not want to experience birth like this again.
0: Mm, gosh, I, I can't blame you. That That is not, I mean, that's scary. That sounds like a very scary experience and a, a very scary entrance into motherhood where now you are not only, you know, just the normal, like, oh, I've got a baby that I've got to take care of. It's, I've got two children that I have to take care of. And I was just under general anesthesia, totally knocked out. That had to have been so hard, Janice.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, what made it easier was my mom. She stuck around for four weeks because she could just see I couldn't take care of them, you know, and having undergone a major surgery too. She she was a big help to me.
0: Oh, thank goodness. That's wonderful. So with that having happened, once you became pregnant with your next, what was that like?
1: So um, I still wasn't quite on the full swing, you know, I'm going to go natural thing, but I did know that I wanted to find an OB that would allow me to have a VBAC because I, I just did not want to have a cesarean again. And so, at this point, we had moved from Texas, uh, from Florida, to where my twin, where my twins were born, to Texas. And um, I had a good friend who recommended her OB to me. And so, uh, I contacted him. He had a spot open for me, and uh, that pregnancy was very uncomplicated. Um, all the way to the end. I went into labor, went into the hospital. And I do remember telling the doctor that was on call there, it wasn't my OB, it was a different one. I remember telling him, I want to try to do this without an epidural. I want to try to do this. And he said, Oh, really? Great. Okay. So let's break your water so that it will speed things up and you'll be able to make it without an epidural. Well, you know, (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) know, Interesting take on that, sir. (laughs)
1: So, and for some reason this birth the deli- the birth started fast and furious. So already I was in a good bit of pain when I got there. So when he broke my water, it sent me over the edge and I was like, "You know what? Never mind, never mind. I need an epidural. Somebody get here right now and give me an epidural." So, um I ended up getting one, but you know, with that epidural, I actually felt pressure and I could control my legs. And so I think then I realized, okay, so not, a, not all epidurals are created equal. Yeah. This one was a lot better of an experience. And I was able to, aside from that, deliver him. And at that point, I was pretty pleased with um, my delivery. I still had kind of wanted to see if I could go naturally, but obviously I didn't. So, But it still turned out to be a good birth.
0: That is wonderful. And I, sometimes it just makes you wonder, it makes me wonder, like, with this OB specifically and there was something in your earlier birth too, but the I like, okay, well let's break your water. It's like, okay, were you actually trying to be helpful and you thought that that was helpful or were you like, Oh, let's just shut this woman up. Like, let's just break the water. She'll be uncomfortable. And then we'll, you know, it's like, are you dumb or
1: are you mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Back now, knowing what I know, I was like, okay, (laughs) that wasn't, (laughs) decisions. So. <laughs> decisions. Yeah. Okay. But I
0: mean, yeah, you, we expect like, all right, well, this person does this for a living. Like they're going to know, you know, they're going to know the best way to do it. Like, Hmm. Huh? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. So then with your, what was, what was the next experience?
1: Like the next one actually was the one that, I felt empowered by the most because, again, I still felt like that natural birth uh, was eluding me until him. Um, And it's actually funny. I was thinking back. So at that, by the time I got pregnant with him, we had moved to New York City. We were living in the middle of Manhattan. And I found a midwife for him, but she was a nurse midwife. She delivered in a hospital, but I still was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little bit closer to what I'm looking for. So crazy turn of events when I was 36 weeks pregnant with him, we had to move back to Texas, um just suddenly. And so we did. We packed up all of our things and we moved down, and I ended up just being able to find an OB, um and I was going to deliver at the same hospital that I delivered my former son in, my third baby. Um and I remember I went all the way to 40 weeks with him and just waking up in the middle of the night and feeling the contractions, but they weren't really painful and they weren't regular. But my husband was like, you know, we need to go in anyway. Um, And got to the hospital, they checked me and they're like, you're an eight. Would you like an epidural? And I was like, no, I feel great. You know, these contractions, they're really not so bad. So let me see if I can do this. And uh, he was born about an hour later. And that, you know, the you know, the feeling that, that birth made me feel like, wow, my body can do this. My body can do this without any inter- interventions. And I just, it just felt amazing. And that's the birth right there where I was like, I, every time I deliver, I want to feel like this. Oh, so that just changed that
0: changed everything i mean getting and it's it's like you knew it all along that that was the experience that you were looking for and then you finally got to have that experience
1: yes yes and so with my the next boy that was born i actually found a midwife that delivered in a birthing center and um you know again smooth pregnancy thankfully i usually experience smooth pregnancies. And uh, we delivered him on Christmas night in a birthing center. And uh, this was the first baby that my husband was able to deliver and just peaceful, just so peaceful and perfect. That's beautiful. Was that in Texas or was that back in in Texas? That was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was perfect.
0: Oh, That sounds so wonderful. So that was, okay. So that was your fifth child.
1: Yes. And what,
0: what did you do after, uh, after the birth
1: center? Was that, did you continue on with birth centers? So, uh, when he was six months old is when we moved up here to North Jersey. And, uh, when I got pregnant again with my daughter, I went looking for a midwife again. Um, And we actually ended up with a midwife. I think she's considered a nurse midwife because she only delivers in the hospital. Um, But for some reason, with all the midwives we spoke to, we really liked her the best. So we went with her. Um, And my daughter's birth was actually a lot like my son's that was in the birth center because this midwife is very much, even though it's in the hospital, Um, They have a birthing pool there and she tells the nurses, they know not to mess with um, Lonnie's patients. So I, you know, I walk in, they do really quick, listen for a heartbeat, you know, make sure um, everything's fine with the baby. Uh, But both that birth and the birth of my um, seventh were very similar like that. They just kind of hands off, left me alone, and my birth was fast and furious and um, natural and, and really everything we wanted them to be.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, what a turning point. Looking back, you know, that that natural birth that you were able to have after moving back to Texas, I mean, that was, that was all you needed. Just, you know, all you needed and everything changed. So-
1: I was hooked after that. Mm-hmm. I
0: gosh, I I don't blame you. <laughs> I feel the same way. That just that sense of joy and oh, just deep love when you when you are able to experience things physiologically.
1: Right, I'm telling you, the ma- the moment they lay that baby on your chest, it's just nothing like it. And then the thought that I did this, like my body made a baby and delivered it all by itself. I didn't need anyone's help to do this. It was just, it's just amazing.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, and it just sends you back into motherhood, back into your family with this renewed sense of, I can do this. You know, I was given this job. I was given this task. This was divinely given to me. And I have all of the tools. I have access to the tools that I need right. To do what I'm, what I'm capable of doing. Right. So great. Right. Okay. So that leads us up to your most recent birth, right? My
1: most recent birth, my little girl, number eight. Number Baby number. Girl yeah. number
0: eight. <laughs> so, okay. So let's hear what, what all is going on in the world <laughs> during this pregnancy, when you find out you're pregnant, what was that like? I'd love to hear it
1: all. So I've mentioned before that my husband is a minister. He's a pastor. Um, And uh, it was time for him to take a sabbatical. Um, For lack of a better word, it's just a break from the work he was doing. It was a three-month sabbatical. And while we were on sabbatical, I found out I was pregnant with her. And this was while everything was still right in the world, you know, and so... Um, it was a very normal first trimester. And then towards the end of my first trimester uh, in February or so is when the pandemic started. And um, honestly, when all of it first started, I actually remember being a little bit relieved because that pregnancy had me really, really tired. And I just remember thinking, oh good, we can all just take a break from the busyness of life for a while. And, you know, the, the, um, the shutdowns won't last very long, maybe just a month or two. And so, you know, let's just take a little break from it all. And then, you know, of course, everybody listening knows that's not the way it was. It went on for months and months. Um, and as I continued through my pregnancy and getting closer to my delivery, I started to wonder how is this going to affect my delivery um i remember hitting you know being in my second trimester and just kind of bringing it up to my midwife i wonder how this pandemic is going to affect my delivery and she would say oh i'm i'm pretty sure all of this will be over by the time you deliver i don't think you need to worry about it and so i would go okay you're probably right this is probably going to blow over But it didn't
0: (laughs) and what um so where you are i know that up north things were really like on lock (laughs) i mean things were tight so what was going on in the hospital that you were planning to give birth in
1: um so in our particular hospital uh as it you know as i got closer to my delivery my midwife did start to speak up and say okay this isn't going to blow over so let's start talking about what your birth uh, will look like. Um, she said, you're gonna have to wear a mask uh, while you're in labor and delivery. Um, she said, they will test you at the door, you and your husband, if, you, you know, if he's positive, they'll send him away. Um, if you're positive, they could take your baby away from you after you deliver so that the baby doesn't get the virus. Um, and so as she's telling me all of these things, oh, and she told me, you're only allowed to have one, one person with you at, at delivery. And I know for some people, that's not a big deal, but I had decided at the beginning of this pregnancy that I really wanted my 12 year old daughter at this birth. I just felt like it would be such an amazing experience for her, um, and even a bonding time for the both of us. So we had been talking about it already for months. So when the midwife told me only one person, I think that kind of started me thinking like my birth is not going to look like I really wanted it to look like. Gosh, I, I still have a hard
0: time thinking back and I don't know, wrapping my mind around the idea that women were being forced to wear a mask when they are doing the hardest work. I just... Oh gosh, it just and and all of these protocols that are they were so not scientifically based. I mean, removing babies from mothers, what insanity is this? And how much trauma did that add not only to the moms who had it happen to them? I can't even imagine the trauma of that. But also just the panic for all of these mothers who are you know, approaching their due date and thinking what's going to happen? What's going to happen? How Oh my goodness. I just, I feel so, so deeply for anyone that had that experience.
1: Um, I know. And just right across the bridge from us in New York city, they had already, uh, the hospitals, there were like, no, no support person at birth. So a lot of those women over there, you know, were going through their labors and deliveries all on their own and having, they couldn't have visitors or anything afterwards. So they're you know, kind of in isolation for the couple of days they're in the hospital. Um, So many women in New York City were actually transferring to my midwife in Jersey because things were, they weren't quite so bad in New Jersey. Um, And my midwife, though, she kept telling me, she's like, I don't know when the hospitals here are going to start doing what the ones in New York City are doing. So we just need to be prepared for that possibility. But for now, if you and your husband both test negative, he can be there. Gosh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Great. What a, what a, what a treat. You know? I, know. I know it oh. really, but it really got my wheels turning. You know, I started thinking, I need to have an alternative plan. I don't know that I was fully convinced at that point that there would have to be an alternative plan, but we, my husband and I just started having the what if talk, you know, well, what if things do get as bad here as they are in New York city? What if, you know, what if we did go to the hospital and you tested positive for some reason, or I tested positive, I, 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 we started talking and I was like, I, I could not handle that.
0: Yeah. So, okay. And this was in the, was this the beginning
1: of your second trimester or was this later on? This is like nearing the end of my second trimester now. I deliver her in July. So yeah, around April-ish, March, April, you know, we're starting to think, hmm, this gonna is not going to be over mm-hmm. before we deliver and what are we going to do? Okay. I'm very curious to hear what, what did your discussion lead to? So um, my first thought was, well, you know, I'll just try to deliver in a birthing center. Um, We'll, you know, we'll kind of leave the hospital setting and deliver in a birthing center. So um, we looked into a couple and our insurance wouldn't cover either of them. Um, It was going to be, I think they quoted us like $8,000 out of pocket and we just didn't have it. Um, and like I said, my insurance wouldn't cover it. So, uh, we, uh, my husband and I live about 28 miles from the Pennsylvania border. So we started thinking, okay, well, it looks like a home birth is our only option. And, um, I guess I should mention that here in New Jersey, it's against the law for a midwife to assist in a home birth. If the woman has had a prior cesarean. And so, of course, you know that my twins were a cesarean and it doesn't matter that it was five pregnancies ago and I've had VBAC since then, it's still a prior cesarean and it's against the law for her to assist me. So we thought, you know, we're only 28 miles from the Pennsylvania border, maybe we'll try to find a midwife there and we can rent an Airbnb and and deliver, you you know, have a home birth there or even try to find a birth center uh in pennsylvania and nothing really worked out i mean the the nearest midwives were over an hour away and it just nothing just was working out all of the things that we thought you know all the different options we thought we had they just were falling through there was some reason why they weren't going to work and um a friend of mine from texas uh, my hometown in texas i grew up with her she messaged me through facebook Facebook Messenger, and we just were chatting, and I was mentioning to her how I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to deliver because of everything going on with the pandemic. And uh, she's a doula, actually. She works with a midwife down in Texas, and she was like, "Girl, you should come down here. You should come and deliver at your parents' house. And I'm sure the midwife that I work with would have you." Like she would have you know assist you in a home birth and I was kind of like oh yeah you know maybe that sounds okay you know and I just remember thinking after our conversation was over like wow that seems like an extreme move to make you know so I I kind of dismissed it like I'm sure we'll come up with something else (laughs) by then um but of course we didn't and We didn't. Uh, And a couple of weeks later, she messaged me and she was like, I talked to Anita. That's the midwife she works with. She said, I talked with her. And she said she will take you as a transfer. Of course, you would need to uh, have a Zoom meeting with her to go over your prenatal history and um, register online. And then she told me the fee. It was like $1,500. It was so So much easier for us to handle something like that than the $8,000 out of pocket uh, up here. Um, And she was saying, you know, you really should consider it. And at that point I did. I started to consider it and mentioned to my husband. And I remember being shocked when he didn't think it was crazy. He actually, he actually liked the idea. He's like, why don't you call your parents and, and see how they feel about us coming and delivering there in their house. Um, And so I did, I called up my mom and um, I ran the idea past her and she was so excited. She's like, yes, that would be so awesome. And then I can be here for you postpartum and yes, please do it. And so it actually was at that point, I think I was looking back through the dates and at the messages my friend sent me, it was mid-May. When we finally were like, you know what, we're gonna do this. Around that time, I was, I guess, what, maybe thirty weeks, thirty-two weeks or so, and we decided, okay, we're gonna drive our family down, that is, and we're gonna deliver.
0: I mean, it's amazing, and and I'm so glad that we're able to have this conversation, and that you are an example of this because it just shows that where there's a will, there can be a way. (laughs) You know, (laughs) when you when you really want something, we can. We can work and figure out a way to make it happen, even if it seems in the beginning like, "Oh, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of outlandish." Like, well, let's not cut ourselves off from these ideas because, I mean, gosh, thank thank goodness you did stay open, and thank goodness your mom was so excited. And I'm thinking about that postpartum care she gave after your first two, and I'm like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense, Janice. She should head
1: down there. He's amazing. I do remember my dad being a little bit nervous, like, oh, um, well, what about the mess? And what if, you know, the pain is too much for you, you know, and, and but in the end, you know, I think he just felt like, okay, I, I just need to relax and, and let this play out. Could you just not ruin my couch? Jesus. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So he's, he's funny. He's funny. I'll have, at the end, I'll have to tell you how he became a homework convert, though. Through that oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's mid-May and we're starting to plan. And um, I think the last hiccup in our plans was me sitting and looking at the news and seeing all the rioting going on in our nation. And I just remember being so nervous. I don't know if it was m- just my pregnancy hormones or if I have really had a legitimate reason to be nervous. But I remember telling my husband, you know, I don't know if I want to do this because what if we hit some rioting or something, you know, while we're driving down there, it's going on in so many cities and I don't know. It was just one thing to add to some of the stresses I was feeling through that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he assured me, he's like, you know what, we're going to be fine. We'll make sure we choose our route carefully, and um, we're, we're not going to stop overnight, which we didn't. We drove straight through. How uh, far is How far of a drive? It's about a 25 to 26-hour oh. drive if you're driving nonstop. Uh, we're in the top tip part of North Jersey, and my parents live in Central Texas, so it's a good 26-hour drive. Um, but we did it. We packed up the kids. Um, made sure we had everything that we needed for the baby. We didn't buy our home birth supplies until we got down there. But uh, it was like my, my husband was in beast mode because we made that trip in 28 hours with, you know, just all the stops and everything. Um, and so the ride itself was actually very smooth. It really was. And what kind of car do you have? Maybe <laughs> I have a Nissan NV. It's a 12 passenger. Sweet. Okay. Yes. You got space. You're yes. Good. I actually remember like putting my feet up on the front row in the back, you know, because I had the swelling going on. It was, it's actually my first baby to deliver in the summertime. All my other kids were like fall and uh, winter. So my body was definitely responding to being pregnant in the heat. I was swollen. And I remember being sore by the time we got there, but just so relieved that we had actually made it down there in one piece. The kids behaved and um, we were just finally there. And that's when I was 36 weeks pregnant. All right, so you got there at 36 weeks pregnant. 36, so. And actually I should mention um, that, so the midwife I had up here, Mm -hmm. I had been kind of hinting to her that we were considering transferring to Texas for a home birth. And then when I hit 34 weeks, I, I told her, we're definitely going to transfer. And uh, I love my midwife, uh, but she looked at me and she was like, I, I just don't recommend what you're doing. Um, you have had several babies and your risk for uterine rupture is higher since you've had so many babies that I just don't think it's, it's wise what you're doing. I think that it's risky. Um, But at that point, my husband and I just had such peace about our decision. You know, we had decided this is what we're going to do. And so I thanked her for her, um, her concern. And then, like I said, at 36 weeks, we set off down to Texas.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. We're going to do it anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just had peace. Like
0: this was it. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. So you got down there at 36 weeks. And then I guess, did you pretty immediately have a meeting with your midwife?
1: I did. I met with her, I want to say the next day after I got there. And um, I had already had a Zoom meeting with her before we went down to kind of get to know each other and go over my prenatal history. And we hit it off immediately, even on the Zoom meeting. So, uh, and just seeing her in person, it just like I knew there was a peace in my heart. I knew we had made the right decision and that everything was going to turn out just fine. So um, she has two assistants that work with her and I I love both of them as well. So all three of them I knew were going to make an amazing birth team. Mm, That's incredible. Well, so what was it like once you were
0: down there, once you were preparing for this birth, how did it all turn out?
1: Um, so, you know, I, we went down, like I said, at 36 weeks, and I actually did not um, go into labor until my due date, 40 weeks. Um, is that was it normal for you? It's pretty normal. Uh, my earliest child is the baby that was born after the twins, and I had him at 38 and a half weeks.
0: Gotcha. So
1: all the others are 39 and 40. Okay. So um, it, um, let's see. I woke up that morning... It was probably about six or seven in the morning because the contractions woke me up. They were, you know, they were labor contractions. Uh, You know that feeling after you've had a few children. And um, for some reason, as I was up that morning, the fear and the anxiety and just the stress from all the months leading up to that hit me. And I just was thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, how can I bring a baby into a world like this? Um, You know, with the pandemic and then everybody around me is fighting and, you know, what's going to happen to our country? And then I started remembering what my midwife said about uterine rupture and, oh, my goodness, you know, am I crazy? Like, who makes a move like this, you know, drives you know, 26 hours south just to have a home birth. Then I just, just everything, just all of it, you know, just came just weighing on me and my labor stopped. My contractions went away. And I think that because my body and my mind just weren't relaxed enough to have this baby, my body knew and my contractions went away. And um, they actually, uh, they didn't come back until I, it got to me that evening around uh, six o'clock. And I just felt the need to talk to somebody about all these thoughts. And so I actually messaged um, Destiny Delarosa. Oh. And I was just telling her um, just how I was feeling. And she said, let's video chat. And so uh, she took time to, we were chatting and she just let me lay it all out there. And she was like, Shanice it's not a surprise to God that you're having a baby in the middle of all of this. You know, he's going to take care of you. Everything is going to be fine. Just give him all of your worries and and just relax and trust. And I remember um, getting off of that video call and just praying and saying, Lord, you know, I I trust you. I'm just going to give you all of these worries and this anxiety and stress and and trust that you've got us. You're going to take care of us. And Caitlin, it's so amazing because within a couple of hours, my contractions came back. Those labor contractions came back and you know I was at peace. Like mm-hmm. Everything is going to be okay. And so um, I didn't mention to my husband about the contractions until after we had fed the kids dinner and put them to bed. And I have one, my youngest at that point was only 16 months. Um, And so, you know how it goes, you're nursing them, you're trying to lay them down and get them to bed. And he finally lays down around 11 p.m. Finally. And, you know, the last half hour or so as I'm laying him down, I'm kind of struggling with contractions like, okay, please hurry up, go to sleep. And uh, I remember walking out of the room and telling my husband, I think I'm in labor. I think it's time. Um, And so uh, we called Anita. That was around 11.30 p.m. It took her and her assistants about 20 minutes to get to our house. And Caitlin, just the entire experience was peace and quiet. Um, My parents gave us their master suite for me to labor and deliver in there. Um, They had the huge garden tub if I felt the need to Uh, get in the water for a bit and uh, so I remember you know moving into their room and just getting into some more comfortable clothes and we dimmed the lights and um just just I just labored you know I'm I'm a quiet laborer um I like to just be thinking about each contraction as it's coming and what my body's doing with each contraction and um There was something as my contractions got a little more intense, they, Anita called them hip squeezes where my husband just had pressure on both sides of my hips. And he would like press in very firmly through each contraction. And, uh, just remember the relief that it brought me, uh, them doing that. And there were times, you know, when his hands would get tired. So the midwife's assistants or the midwife herself would, uh, just, just do that for me to help relieve some of the pain I was feeling in labor. Um, my mom was there, my daughter, a 12 year old daughter was able to be there. And, uh, my dad, he was nervous. He was sitting in the living room, just kind of, you know, listening and and praying and hoping that everything was going to go. Okay. But, um, I remember, so my water broke and it was about time for me to push. And I remember the midwife, Anita, looking at my husband and saying, do you want to just take a moment to pray and, and pray a blessing over this baby and over this family? And I just remember that moment being so sweet as, you know, I'm getting ready to push and my husband is praying and, you know, she was born about 10 minutes later, it was it was just the most peaceful thing. It's, it's one of those moments. I'll never forget. You know, it started off, the whole situation started off as, you know, this is not ideal and how in the world are we going to make this work? And it ended up with this was the best thing that could have happened to us. It was so, so amazing.
0: Oh my word. I just, I'm so overwhelmed. And I mean, about the entire experience, it's so overwhelming in such a beautiful way. But I also can't help but focus in on that part where you woke up with these contractions, and you had so much fear. And I mean, you, you were so gripped with it. And how that may seem like such an, oh, gosh, that's so bad. Oh, no, that's terrible. Poor Shanice. But yet, that really was such a blessing from the Lord to allow you that time to to process those feelings, to process those emotions, to talk to somebody that, you know, that it was just, it was meant to be that you have that conversation, get all of that out. And then what were you left with? You were left with peace in Jesus and an ability to give birth to your baby in the most calm. Your husband praying a blessing over your child and your family. I mean, Oh gosh. I mean, it's just beautiful. And that if you hadn't gone into labor and had those contractions and felt that fear, you, and, and then things not, wouldn't have stopped. I mean, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to release all of that.
1: It's amazing. Right. You know, and I think sometimes you just don't even know how much you're holding inside until it just all comes spilling out. And that is what happened to me in that moment. But like you said, it it caused me to be able to process everything that was going on and really just put my faith in God to take care of us. And that peace is what allowed my body to just relax and have this baby. Gosh.
0: Oh, it's incredible. So once your baby was born, what was your postpartum like being down in Texas? And how did you guys kind of manage that with, all right, we're here for how long and when
1: are we going back home and all of that? right so postpartum was actually pretty smooth Uh, my midwife did home visits to check on me Uh, she i think she came around 24 hours and then um maybe around 48 72 hours to check on us Um, of course it was amazing to have my mom there um and my dad too and like i said he really became a home birth convert because he he replays it he says he's sitting in the living room And he doesn't hear much of anything. And then all of a sudden he hears this baby crying. And to him, he said it was just the most amazing thing to have a peaceful atmosphere. And then all of a sudden hear a baby. And uh, both my mom and dad became home birth converts. They actually already joke like, okay, for the next baby, you're coming back, right? So you can have a home birth down here. Um, But postpartum was great because you know not only was my husband there but my parents were there to help with the other children and um you know being at my parents house my mom was keeping up with the cooking and the cleaning which is not easy with that many people um but you know it was smooth um probably the one little issue we had my blood pressure was high Mm -hmm. and so my midwife um, ran some tests to make sure I wasn't experiencing postpartum preeclampsia, uh, which I wasn't. It was, I don't know, I guess maybe just an issue of my body working through the extra blood flow from pregnancy, you know, just working through it. I ended up being nothing, but the, the postpartum was smooth. We stayed there until the baby was four weeks old. So we spent a total of eight weeks at my parents' house um and then when she was 4 weeks old we packed everything up packed everybody up and we made the trip back up to New Jersey and uh, that trip actually was smooth as well so i'm i'm really just so thankful for the way things turned out it was amazing
0: yes i mean and how sweet was that for i'm sure for your family you know, and to get to see their grandkids for eight weeks. And that, I mean, it turns out, it sounds like, you know, something that was kind of like, oh, I don't know. This seems kind of crazy. Turns out to be just, just, yeah, this was the answer. This was the answer
1: all along. Right. And just one of those memories that none of us will ever forget. Mm -hmm. It was just so perfect. I remember driving, like we started back driving on the way home and for the first good hour driving home, all I could do was cry at just how happy I was and just how thankful I was at how everything had turned out and how special that time was with not only my husband and children, but also my parents. Just yeah. just so many emotions overflowing again in that moment. Um, just amazing. It really was. <laughs> it really was. <laughs>
0: From the outside looking in, what what an incredible story, Shanice. I, as soon as I saw it, and for listeners who aren't in the Facebook group, there was a post, um, and I, I can't even exactly remember everything about it, but then Shanice shared in the comments her story, and immediately I was like, um, I'm going to need Shanice on the
1: podcast. Snapped.
0: <laughs> You're going to have to share this. And it was even better i mean it was just even more joyful to hear it from you than i expected and i knew it was going to be such a great story so janice you this has been such a blessing to me and i know it's going to be a blessing to so many mothers and i think it's such an encouragement that you did something different you know you chose something that seemed outside of the norm but you knew i mean there was there was something in you telling you this was This was what needed to happen. Everything aligned. Your husband was on board. It was such a beautiful experience. Um, So moms, if you find yourself in a position where you feel like, I just don't know, I can't find a midwife close to me, think outside the box. Don't be scared to think outside the box um, and really consider what other options you have because uh, you might be telling some gorgeous, gorgeous birth story like Shanice's soon. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity to share this, Caitlin. Such such a blessing to me. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast, Shanice. Thank you. Wow. Are you overwhelmed with love or are you overwhelmed with love? What an incredible, beautiful story that Shanice shared with us today. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I'm struggling to pick only a few points to discuss further. I think I could go on for days about this story. But number one is question everything, unfortunately. Shanice was told with her twins that her hips were too small for a five-pound baby, and yet she was able to give birth to an eight-pound baby just fine later on. Another example of this could be seen when her OB told her that if she wanted to give birth without an epidural, they should totally break her water. It's so unfortunate when we hear these examples of care providers Possibly just looking out for themselves and not for their patients. And number two, if you find yourself in a situation that seems unfavorable, like Shanice did with her eighth pregnancy and upcoming labor, keep your mind open to other ideas. It could have been so easy for Shanice and her husband to dismiss the idea of traveling to Texas for a home birth, but look at what they would have missed if they'd ignored the idea. And consider the hostility that so many women were facing in hospitals in that area at that time. What a beautiful experience Shanice's family had. All because they were open to ideas outside of the norm. And finally, how incredible are our bodies? The way that Shanice's body gave her an opportunity to process her fears and anxieties by stopping labor. That was so beautiful to me. She was able to reach out to a friend who, by the way, owns a beautiful merino wool shop called Truly Caris. That's for all of the cloth diapering mamas out there. Be sure to look her up. And she was able to process the feelings and emotions that were welling up inside of her. And once she did that, her body knew that it was now safe to give birth. What a blessing that entire experience was. And as we wrap up this amazing episode, I can't help but share Philippians 4, 4-9. through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Oh, what a beautiful way to end an episode that brings so much peace, and to see Shanice lean on these words in such a true and deep way. It was such a blessing for me to hear, and I pray that it was for you as well. And that, my friends, is all that I have for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode.